The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network. It's Ham Radio 360 podcast. This time through, field day. We're looking backwards to see how we can improve for next year. We catch up with Wayne from Ellacraft, and we've got some listener feedback. Stay tuned. MTCRadio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast, with your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. Yeah, it's HamRadio360.com podcast, and as Christy said, my name is Kale Nelson, K4CDN. I've been your host here of the program for about the last two or so years. Uh, started this podcast after some time in FM radio, got out of the radio, and kind of missed having an audience. So I appreciate you tuning in and hope you enjoy this program. If this is your first time here, I most especially want to say welcome in. Uh, we do that every time we're on the air because we really genuinely appreciate our listeners. Just completely, totally humble us for being so many out there. <laughs> really, we're, we're still kind of shocked. Uh, who, do I, who is we? Well, it's uh, myself, George, and Jeremy. Uh, they're my friends, compatriots, and co-producers here on the program co-host if you will they have their own show called workbench podcast that airs the opposite week of this one and want to make sure you check that out as well you can find out all the details of everything i just went through very rapidly at hamradio360.com so if you're looking for some new gear you need to call my friends down at mtcradio.com uh, they've got all the major brands, and let's talk about Icom because they've got some of the best deals on Icom going right now. Flagship rigs, all the way down to single band handheld walkie talkies. Guys, they've got them. They've got it in stock. They'll ship it to you ultra super fast. They they even have a post office inside their store, so they're shipping all day long. And if you're looking for one of those, and and I'm I'm kind of wanting one of these now for some reason. The Icom 7100 all band all mode rig. Uh, they've got them. They've got them new. They've got them repacked from the factory. Icom gear, best deals on the internet with my friends at mtcradio.com. Give them a call today. Let them know that Kel from hamradio360.com sent you. Hi, Dan, KB6NU here. You know, there's always been a bit of a mystique about operating CW, and sometimes it's difficult for newcomers to literally crack the code. Well, that's what my book, the CW Geek's Guide to Having Fun with Morse Code is all about. Written in my no-nonsense style, it's full of practical information that will help you have fun learning and using Morse code, including how to choose a key, how to tune in CW signals, how to make contact, and then what to do once you've made contact. Let the CW Geek help you have more fun with Morse code. Go to kb6nu.com slash cwgeek and get started today. All right, so welcome back, guys. I uh, just want to congratulate you on a very awesome launch of the Workbench podcast. George, Jeremy, you guys had uh, an outstanding – well, the, the downloads are still outstanding – and uh, that, that word gets used a lot around here, but I just wanted to say congratulations and uh, thanks to all the listeners who have already begun piling on us some uh, listener feedback questions and answers and stuff. Guys, welcome in. Hey, thanks so much, Kale. Hey, Jeremy. Hello, George. Hello, Kale. Thank you very much. Absolutely, guys. Yeah, it was a, a really exciting time. I was, I was not shocked by, the, uh, by the, the folks taking it the way that they did. They were really excited about getting it it being the brand new workbench podcast and it seems to me that it's it's an instant hit so i, I hope you guys uh, are going to keep your promise to all of us and continue to make them for us well we've got a long list of ideas that we're, we're going to be ticking off here so we have plenty of shows <laughs> planned out at this point i would say uh and we also had quite a bit of listener feedback a lot of questions and some really great suggestions which is very very positive so uh that's very much appreciated and I, I think I'll add that um, the listener feedback that we received was actually kind of some new ideas um, that that we received and uh, some ideas about directions to take things. So it's it's been incredibly exciting and very uh, very much appreciated for all those who have responded. And there have been a ton of you. And and you got a cake. Your wife brought home a cake. Yeah, my wife uh, my wife brought home a cake. So when we. He got back from Dayton. Um, I got home and my brother and sister-in-law were over visiting. And, you know, I told him we had a booth and that our booth was completely busy. And he's like, ah, you're nerd famous. 
Um, but then to be recognized in public at MCM on the Friday that we recorded that show, that name right there. And uh, my wife made that comment and then surprised me with a cake uh, the day we launched the show. George, you get a cake. No, I didn't get a cake. <laughs> I was very jealous. Yeah, I didn't get a cake. I, and I it was it cake. was this it was this white cake with buttercream frosting and then little like chocolate detail frosting. It was good. It was good cake. Yeah. Good cake. Yeah. So guys, that that's another reason you should probably start a podcast. Your wife will think you're like a, a super nerd and you'll she'll bring you home a cake. So I take yeah, I it. I got news for you. She already knows that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's very she's very familiar with that. All right, so uh, we're going to talk this time through. We're post-field day. Field day was huge for both of you, not so much me. But I uh, just want to kind of get some feedback from your field day experiences, share with us some stuff. Uh, we're going to hear from Wayne from Ellacraft uh, with, with a field day type interview uh, with the KX2 with George in just a little bit. But first, we want to break down the field days because we'd, we spent some time talking about it here on the show. What happened for you guys? Who wants to start? Not everybody at once. How about Jeremy? Yeah, I, He's closer to okay. me. Yeah. Sorry, I was muted. Um, oh, field day this year. Field day this year was incredible beyond my wildest dreams, with one notable exception. Uh, the positiveness of field day this year was my new, new club, the Ohio Valley Experimenters Club, uh, located in and around, uh, I guess, metropolitan uh, Cincinnati. Uh, the club call was Kilo Delta 8 Lima Bravo Sierra, Kilo Delta 8 pounds, LBS. Um, First time I've ever operated with these guys, and these guys have more or less known each other for a long time, so I, I was kind of the new quantity uh, to the group. But we had a bunch of experienced operators who didn't take anything too seriously, very much had an open experimental mindset, and things just went so well as far as setup, other than the un- oppressive heat that we had. Uh, it was a really an unbearable couple of days. Uh, several of us actually got a little bit of heat sickness from it. Uh, but the the dedication to getting stuff set up and uh, you know going quickly and everybody nobody wanting to step on anybody's toes and there was nobody you know vying for it like oh that's mine or I'm the one who always runs the twenty meter station, it, it was really exemplified the sharing and community nature of amateur radio. Um, man, there's a lot to talk about. Give me give me some more questions. Ask George. <laughs> I'm passing it. Okay, George, you got the ball. Go ahead. It was hot out here, too. It was hot but dry. Thank goodness, at least it was dry. We had a good turnout. We probably had 50, 60 people in total come by, and some people were spending the night as a camp out. Some people spent the whole day. Some people came by for an hour or two, so there was a lot of uh, coming and going. And uh, We operated three alpha and uh, worked out pretty well. We made probably over 100 contacts, so we scored somewhere up in the 120, 150-point kind of area, which I think if you're really operating uh, in earnest is not a whole lot, uh, but it seemed like a lot to us anyway, and uh, so that was a lot of fun. We did a little bit of digital, a uh, lot of sideband and some CW. That was fun. Nothing really exotic uh, this year. Probably the most interesting equipment we had was the the KX2, so that was fun to operate, and um, uh, one of the the fellas that operates our field day with us every year is Wayne in 6KR, and we'll talk a bit more with him later. Uh, but he's a really good CW operator, so it's fun to watch him operate. I think the, the highlight of field day was at one point he was operating the KX2 CW, and we had about four uh, teenage boys there, probably around 13 uh, years old or so. And of all the stations, of all the activities, they, uh, they, they were surrounding Wayne watching him work CW. And they were really quite interested in it, surprisingly. So that was that was really fun. And a bunch of us kind of looked at each other like, oh, thank goodness somebody seems to want to operate CW. <laughs> it's under 20. This is a miracle. No, it was really fun. And uh, the kids really had a great time. Well, very good. I uh, my, my field day experience was vastly different. I never left the house. I didn't get on the air until about 4 o'clock that afternoon. I wound up helping the local fire department on a big brush fire. Uh, right about the time the field day got started and that morning my truck refused to start so I've got some sort of injection problem on the diesel and uh, I just it just kind of put me in a funk and I never left really 
well, I, did, I left the house. I never left the area, never drove into town. I got one contact. I had it written down somewhere here. It was a maritime mobile contact, which was pretty cool. I think it was my very first maritime contact as well. So the bands uh, here uh, with the Mickey Loop and the Dipole and the Vertical all were just horrendous for me terribly noisy i got one contact and quit never never even turned the radio on sunday actually i recorded a podcast on sunday so and i think you guys heard that last week or so so that was that mine was easy yeah, it didn't exist uh, next year i really look forward to doing something differently uh, i've already tapped some friends of mine to come down and do winter field day with me coming up in January. And that's going to be a test run for doing a field day here on the farm, which I think will be really cool. So um, that was my experience. Jeremy, I know that you guys had the 7300 out there. And uh, from the looks of your video, your posts on Twitter and whatnot, you guys were having a lot of fun with that rig. Yeah, so we were also a 3-alpha. And a little bit different from setup because we um – well, we were open to the public. Like we actually had signs uh, up by the road and whatnot. Of course, and we announced it on uh, on Ham Radio 360 in our pre field day show. I mean, more or less, it was it was the club and uh, like on Saturday night, all of our families and our kids and, and some parents uh, joined us for a big cookout because we uh, smoked a pork shoulder uh, for about twelve hours, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> the three radios that we ran, uh, we ran my ICOM IC seventy three hundred. We ran, uh, well, I guess I'll talk antennas too. So I was running into my little Tar Heel 2 vertical, which is basically the Tar Heel 2, a 17-foot whip, uh, two ground rods dro- uh, drove into the ground with, uh, in this case, I have 40 radials cut for quarter wave on 20, approximately eighth wave on 40. Uh, the second station was an Yesu 857D uh, running into a G5RV. Uh, and then the third station, I think it was a, a Kenwood. Is there an 880? Does that sound right? Uh, I don't know. I've got an 850. Eh, it's, I, I apologize. Um, Mine's kind of old school. It's like a 1990-something model. Yeah, it is. Okay. So, Homer, if you're listening, I apologize. I mean, he had the, he had the radio and the big you know matching speaker and everything. He, uh, he ran CW uh, plugged into a 160-meter dipole, which... During the summer, eh, we made one contact on 160, but it also worked great on 80 uh, and 40. But, uh, uh, yeah, we had a fantastic time. And I will tell you this. The 7300 is probably, I'm just going to say, it's my favorite field day radio, period. <laughs> Done. If you, so, uh, if you guys hadn't seen it, uh, if you go on my Twitter feed, at KF7IJZ, you'll see a little video where we use the um, the recording feature uh, to have our president's wife, who was also a ham, but she was going to bed, uh, record, uh, you know, giving our call sign and our exchange and saying 73. And we actually worked a couple of stations just by, by pushing buttons. People think it's cheating, but it wasn't. It was just awesome. That was a great video. I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> hey, by the way, if somebody comes back and says, uh, what's the name there, OM? Uh, do you pop in with your voice? <laughs> Say, Jeremy. <laughs> so there were a couple of times where... Uh, you know, we were like playing the response. They weren't quite hearing it after the third time Then I hopped on the mic and, you know, they just assumed that this was a new ham and I was coaching them uh, in the middle of the so night question for you about the uh, 7300. So it's your favorite field day radio. When you bring it home and set it up there, do you think it's your favorite home radio also, or do you think of it more as a portable radio? So uh, truthfully, it would be fine. It's, it's my home radio as well. It's, um, so the, the KX3 is a better performer, but the KX3 to do the same stuff the 7300 does, I need to get the KX3, plug in the cables to the 101 amp, plug in the cables to the PX3. Whereas this is all one nice self-contained box with a hand. Uh, it's just a little bit more convenient. Plus it has that nice big touchscreen, which if you if you have used ICOMs like 7100, pretty much the same um, approach and design to the touchscreen. Um but it, it is a it is a phenomenal performer. It it is far better a radio than it has any right being at that price point. I mean, I I, I hate to use all this hyperbole, but I, <laughs> Kale, you'll appreciate. It's a game changer. It's it's <laughs> never been done before. <laughs> um, 
I mean, it, it really is. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, I had a, everybody who sat down on my station who had never seen one of these. In fact, I kept telling my club, I'm like, I'm bringing a 7300 and nobody had a clue what that meant because, uh, you know, they don't re- necessarily keep up with the latest radios as much. Uh, it, it, but everybody sat down with it. And so intuitive. They just started touching the screen and started twiddling knobs. I mean, they were they got up to speed on using it really quickly. Uh, and, and it was phenomenal. Um, and just to steal a word from you, Kale, it was fantastic. Yeah, uh, it was outstanding. It was, and, and I'm not meaning to turn this into a commercial for ICOM. Um, we'll do that anyway. Radio. <laughs> this little radio was fantastic. Although I have, you know, what I mentioned earlier, there was one thing bad about it, which we're not at yet. Um, but this radio might have actually been a, a contributing factor to the one thing I did not like about it here, which was. I'm going to wait till we talk about things that didn't go so well. Ah, and we're going to do that in just a minute. And uh, we'll be back with KF7IJZ, KJ6VU, and myself, K4CDN. BridgeCom Systems continues to push the envelope of innovation when it comes to 220 megahertz operation. If you're looking for a repeater in 220 megahertz, if you're looking for a handheld or a mobile radio, they've got you covered. Check them out first for your needs. Get a great solid rig from our friends at BridgeComSystems.com. All right, so we're back with Jeremy, George, and Kale here on Ham Radio 360. We've been talking field day. Yeah, we know it's past, but uh, we, we've we've some of us had some great experiences, I guess I should say, on field day. Hope you did too. Uh, we've talked about some of the good things and some of the fun time we had, but it's inevitable. Every time we do something, there's good and bad. There's highs and lows. Uh, give me some highs. We, well, we've gone through the highs. Any lows from this uh, this past field day, guys? Well, for me, I. I don't think there were any lows per se, but like you're saying, I always learn something. So I make notes about what to bring, what not to bring. And, uh, well, one thing I learned for sure, this year we use bandpass filters. We never did that in the past, and that worked quite well. So these are little boxes that you stick in the feed line that are tuned for a specific band, like 20 or 40 meters, and it uh, makes the radio more selective. So it keeps other stations from interfering in close proximity. So that was great. Uh, the other thing I learned was not to bring as much stuff. I consistently bring too much stuff and kind of over-prepare. So I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get better at that and, and bring a minimum of, of things. So I, I made a list of only the things that I actually used when I was there and what stuff I didn't use and don't bother bringing all that other stuff. Mm. So the problem with having a lot of stuff is you tend to want to bring it, but you only use a fraction of it. So that's the trick is to only bring what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy, any lows for you? Yeah. Um, and this was actually kind of surprising. So I've, I've been doing field day since, oh goodness, 2000, uh, 2011, I think was my first field day. And I've done it every year since except 2015. Um, but this year, I don't know if it was because I had a hot a radio with a really hot receiver I don't know if it was because I'm in Ohio and kind of in the middle of the country and therefore hearing more. But normally with field day, I will open field day and for the first several hours, I will run hunt and peck and let some of the, the madness wears off. There's usually, it seems like a little bit of a dip, uh, you know, a couple hours into it. And then I will try to find a frequency and sit on it and call CQ for about an hour. And I was never able to do that during field day. Hmm. I could never find a clear frequency. And, of course, you're saying, well, it's busy. You know, that's great. But the, the real issue was there were times when there were people just clearly talking over each other. And, and I mean, like, blatantly, obviously, they knew they were talking over each other, like, 70 cycles apart. I mean, real close in. Uh, and you could tell that they knew they were talking to each other because eventually they'd start coordinating you know, they would one would stop talking while the other one would finish making the contact, and then the other one would talk and then work their little pile up. And in some ways, I just felt like uh, that a lot of those basics of operating and politeness were really out the window. I, I, I tweeted something uh, to the effect of, you know, field day where every amateur is an extra. And they're, they're just, again, I, maybe I hear more traffic. Maybe I hear more stuff because of where I'm at or the radio or the antenna. Because uh, actually, we, we didn't really experience band noise at all. Like, the, the bands were pretty good. I mean, in fact, on 20 during the day on Saturday, it was like watching a clock face. And as the day went on, like, the arrow just kept traversing around as far as what part of the country I was getting into. 
But yeah, it just seems like, you know, I, I know that operating standards are reduced during field day, but it seems like people just threw it out the window and were just, you know, yelling on top of each other. And, and I was really disappointed by that. Well, you know, what I did here did sound a lot like what you just described. And I, I was just, well, I couldn't get anywhere, so I quit. But, I, you know, I kind of noticed, I can't say that I spent hours in front of the radio, but when I was tuning around with the big knob, uh, you know, that's what I kept getting. It was just, you couldn't, you couldn't find someone because folks were just all over the top of each other. It was really hard to find that person in the clear. It was just, you know, but... It was just, it was just like you know. He told us there's forty five thousand people on the radio at one time. So maybe, maybe you sure. and I were hearing the same thing. I don't know. And well, we didn't have bandpass filters either. No, that which, wouldn't have helped much. Yeah. <laughs> no, because yeah, yeah, they don't make them the where it's you know yeah. any more than the filter on the radio. Which I'll second the bandpass filter things. That was a game changer for me the last time I did field day. Um, that George, did did you guys? I mean, did you notice anything like that? Do you feel like it was worse than usual? I didn't think it was worse than usual. It just is sort of that way on field day. There's just a you know a lot a lot of stations, and I think that you know because the there's times when the band is sort of hot and you'll hear certain things going on and you hear everybody in that time, and it's just kind of wall to wall. So um, I don't think that's all that unusual. I think that's that's kind of standard. I mean, you sort of wish people would kind of spread out a bit more, and I don't know how much of that is. Other, but you happen to be in a position to hear both. I think that's part of it. Hmm. But you know, not everything. That's like fair. You're saying when you hear the when you hear them, you know, stopping and waiting for the other guy or whatever, then you kind of f- figure maybe they're listening. But um, it didn't occur to me to be that much worse than usual. Well, I, like I said, so, I had about four hours, so <laughs> that was all I've got to experience. What What were you going to say, Jeremy? I was going to say, I mean, because I, I certainly don't want to end on a bad note. There were there were a couple of extra. Um, kind of extra cool kind of thing. So um, two, two things I'll, I'll, I'll kind of brag in the club for. Number one, uh, surprisingly, we actually did have one guest come and join us at Field Day. Uh, he's a ham that I had seen at another local club, and uh, he had seen the signs while driving by to go work his uh, designated scheduled time to operate the radio station with his other club, and he stopped by for a little bit and uh, was really excited about what we were doing. So that was really cool. Uh, the other thing that was really awesome is that a guy who has started our, who came to the inaugural meeting of the club, who is not yet a, a licensed amateur, got to make his first contact. And his contact was a, a station in Nova Scotia. So not only was it uh, his first HF contact, it was a you know a little bit DXE, and uh, you know he operated with us, stayed with us throughout the night. He definitely got the bug, you know, and we had a lot of good topics about what the best first radio is, et cetera. So <laughs> that would definitely help offset all of. What the, was your um, suggestion? No, oh. <laughs> it was not the eight fifty seven. No, nor actually, it wasn't the seventy three hundred. It was, uh, you know, he's going to start off as a technician, and uh, you know, we we didn't really talk much more other than. Uh, VHF, UHF, repeaters, DMR, D-star type stuff. Um, he, he actually has a place where he's got a nice uh, amount of land around his house, and he has no restrictions. So he can put a 200-foot antenna or tower up. And I think I think he's going to be the kind of guy that is probably going to put a 200-foot ant- uh, tower up because if he's going to do it, he's going to go all the way. Well, I would do it if I could afford it. But, oh, well. I'll just put my 160-meter loop up. And go from there. Speaking <laughs> well, of putting, go. yeah. But speaking of putting stuff up, before we move on to uh, to Wayne, George, uh, George, and I have been trading pictures back, and, and Jeremy's in the conversation here. But just just to let everyone know, uh, we are in the process of developing a Kilo Four Charlie Delta November repeater system, or a repeater for the uh, southern end of Spartanburg County here in South Carolina. But in addition to that, we may actually get some connectivity with it. So maybe in the future we'll have uh, nets that we can call and have the listeners come in into a, uh, to a localized repeater, which would be really cool. So George is diligently working and waiting on eBay. I am. Yeah, he's, he's diligent. Yeah, it'll be great. And, uh, and actually what we're thinking about for that connectivity is an IRLP connection. And that way we can hub everybody off of our, uh, our Baynet reflector, um, the conference bridge for IRLP and uh, and connect and that'd be a lot of fun. That would be that would be a, a load of fun that's, to call that in awesome. for that. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, yeah that let's, sounds awesome. Let's crowdfund it. No, I'm just kidding, guys. Totally, don't send me any money. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll, we'll work it out. We'll, we'll work it out. 
but yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. You know, I mean, uh, we're not going to have a club, so to speak, down in this area, but um, you know, have a have a HR 360 club. I don't know. Oh, there's my chair. Uh, there's there's so many options, but I just wanted to bring that out because there's always something going on. You know, George and Jeremy doing the workbench, and uh, Kel's trying to get a repeater started. There's just a lot of fun going on, so we're not just sitting here just recording episodes and and not doing anything. We're actually out there working. Speaking of the repeaters, I have a Tate repeater. I may want to sell if anybody's looking for an old crystal-controlled repeater for UHF. uh, Let me know. Maybe I can make you a deal and pay George for his diligent work out there on the left coast. Now, speaking of— it's racking up. Yeah, yeah. Get it done. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Past that— AES just closed uh, or announced the closure of their stores for the end of this month. Richard was going to come on. We're going to talk about that. Something happened. Didn't get Richard uh, in time. Uh, Before we move on, do you guys have anything to add to that conversation? It's really sad. What, 59 years in business uh, as a business owner myself, I know how hard it is, and I can imagine how hard it would be to let it go after 59 years. Yeah, it's really uh, sad to see because they're one of the two biggest retailers in the country, and and obviously nobody wants to see that go away. Um, I I bought stuff from AES over the years, and they've always been very good in the service. I, I I'm really um, really sorry to see that. Yeah, I, they were um, in my first Dayton that I attended. They they had a setup in the big hall, uh, and they haven't been back since. And so I guess I wasn't too terribly surprised to hear this news because I mean. A company as big as them and as well known as them, they should be a Dayton. And uh, if they weren't, I, I assumed something was going on. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of sad to see uh, another one of the retailers uh, drop off. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I, I would uh, add to that though. There are others that are sort of popping up. So you know, obviously MTC. Uh, you know, you hear a lot about DX Engineering. Uh, I don't know. There's probably some others too. So maybe it's just. Some are coming and going, and it's uh, it's not necessarily an indication of anything except uh, you know just sort of changing. Just a life cycle. Um, yeah, probably. I, w- I don't know any more than that. I'd love yeah. to find out. Well, maybe we'll learn more as uh, as we progress. But you do have your your choices out there. Of course, we're going to recommend you sp- you at least call Richard. And uh, actually, some some funny internet things here before we go uh, go on to Wayne. Earlier this week, we got a message from uh, oh my gosh, it's just left me. Was it Singapore? Hi, this is 91HB Arish Pillay in Singapore. I'm just listening to the Workbench podcast. Uh, I'm learning a lot of new things there. Thank you very much, guys, for doing this. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Uh, what happens, guys, is you go to the website, hamradio360.com. There's a gray tab on the far right-hand side. Now, if you're on your phone or tablet, you may just see a gray line, but you can pull your finger that way or whatever that's called and uh, tap it and it'll open the microphone up and give you a mic test and then allow you to record a message whether you want to record a message for the workbench if you want to be like jack uh, just a few weeks ago who came in with a show intro with his call and did like a show drop anything like that comments questions we'd love to hear from you and that's just one easy way that you don't have to call a phone number you don't have to send an email you click the gray tab at hamradio360.com on the right hand side of the screen you can leave us a message Uh, our twitter has really gotten busier our facebook group is really picking up patches how did i forget patches we've got patches in the store now and i'll have to determine if you guys want velcro or no velcro to mail them tomorrow but they're in the in the store as well. They look really good. I'm kind of I'm really tickled about them. So um, I'm trying to think. We we just want to continue. Those stickers look great, by the way. I, I, those you got the stickers? stickers? You like them? Oh, they look awesome. Really nice. Jeremy doesn't like the die cut stickers. Yeah, I, I like. I, I mean, they look good. the printing and everything looks great. But I I think uh, for me, I would prefer just the the white block. Well, you know what we can do? We can sell what we've got, and we can buy some more. We can give it a try. Yeah, yeah. This this might be the new beans, no beans. Yeah, you know, <laughs> die cut, die no cut, die cut, no die cut. Yeah, <laughs> nine millimeter forty five. You know, we got Chevrolet Dodge Ford. You know, we'll we'll figure it out. But anyway, guys, you can find everything we've been talking about and more at hamradio three sixty dot com. And we appreciate you checking us out there every every time that uh, we post something. Make sure you sign up, and when you sign up for the emails, the the site actually emails you the show notes as soon as the show post, so you get notification. One, that the show is, is available, and two, you'll get the show notes and links that go along with it in your mailbox. Now, thank you for that. Uh, we're going to talk 
to George here for a second. Let him uh, tell us what he's got uh, up next with Wayne. George, take it away. Yeah, so at field day for the last, shoot, gosh, dozen or more years, uh, for a lot of those years we've had uh, Wayne uh, and sometimes Eric from Ellicraft join us. At, we're in the South Bay, in the South San Francisco Bay area. Ellicraft is is also in that general vicinity, and the, those guys live in the area. So uh, so they join us from time to time. And um, and this year, Wayne uh, was at field day. Of course, he brought the, the KX2. And, and I'm joking with him on email saying, you know, I'm, I hope you can make field day because I wanted you to show me how to my radio. <laughs> so, so he came to, to field day and was operating uh, uh, mostly CW, but um, also some RTTY. So one thing that was very cool was he was uh, uh, using the paddle, uh, sending letters in CW, but actually encoding them and transmitting them in RTTY. <laughs> that, that was fun to watch. So while he was there, I got a chance to chat with him for a while about the KX2. And what I was trying to capture is his thoughts as the architect and the chief designer. What was the thinking behind KX2? So we had a chance to talk to Eric uh, at Dayton about the feature set of the KX2 and, and all that. And this is a little bit more from uh, the designer's perspective of, of thinking about that, that design. We got about 25 minutes of information from Wayne from Ellicraft. Cool. And we'll have that right after this. Thanks, guys, for dropping in. I want to leave actually two sure. more points about Field Day, if I could. Yeah, go ahead. Number one is uh, this year I used exclusively a Heil Pro set, and it's the first year I've really did that. And that made a very big difference, uh, both in my transmit audio and also being in crowded band conditions. But more importantly, you know, in the past, about getting antennas in the air, we've talked about using the little um, slingshots with the, the, the Zebco reels on them. Uh, George talked about the pneumatic air cannon. This year, we used a crossbow, nice. and I'll just leave it at that. Cool. Did you have any incidents with your crossbow? Incidents of getting antennas up in trees in an awesome fashion, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just checking. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag America. We'll be back in just a minute with Wayne and George. Thanks, guys, for listening. MTCradio.com. You never know what you're going to get. Just the other day, uh, Richard put up on Facebook, the first person to bring us a bag of sandwiches from a barbecue joint somewhere in Texas gets $50 off your next HF rig. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I didn't I didn't have brown bag pig sandwiches to send to them. I wish that I had. I could have used the $50 off for sure, but maybe you're looking for some, some Kenwood gear. Maybe you're looking for a new HF rig for Kenwood. Uh, they've, they've got them, man. The 590 SG, the, the big flagship 990. Maybe you're looking for a UHF VHF all-mode rig. Uh, you can get one of those in TS-2000, uh, handhelds, mobile radios, my favorite rigs, uh, Kenwood. And you'll get them at mtcradio.com. Best prices on the net, best prices in the world. Call them first, guys. Trust me, mtcradio.com. we got a few minutes with Wayne to talk about the KX2 and the portable radios from Ellacraft. So, Wayne, thanks so much for spending the time with us. It's been great, George. Um, it's really nice to be here every year. Um, you guys put on such a great field day. It's really well organized, and uh, it's such a beautiful spot. I have uh, sunset pictures from, from almost every year. Um, but uh, one of the fun things about coming to this spot and just field day in general is that it's an opportunity to try out the latest radios. And yeah, I've been dragging new homebrew designs to field day for probably like close to 40 years but uh in like for the for about that same length of time i've had in the back of my mind this very small radio that covered all the bands i wanted it to and was very easy to take everywhere you go and the idea has evolved a lot over the years so back in the days when i was doing designs for the norcal qrp club the, my criteria for such a radio was that it had to be very low current and very small, but I was content with one band and one mode. So I'm thinking of the NorCal 40. And then a little bit later, I did something called a Sierra, which uh, was a multi-band radio that used plug-in modules. And, you know, that covered um, all the bands, but again, it was only CW. And it wasn't really until Eric and I started Ellicraft in 1998 that I really got the bug to do very small portable radios that covered multiple modes. 
Eric was very much into sideband and uh, higher performance and contesting and and uh, digital modes. And I was pretty much a CW and QRP guy. But we, over the years, evolved um, various designs, some some larger and higher performance and some smaller. Um, our first small design was actually the K1. And the K1 was kind of like a Sierra on steroids. It uh, Instead of band modules, it used relay switching. And it had a microcontroller built in. And, um, you know, a keyer paddle attachment for its tilt stand. And it had an automatic antenna tuner in it and, and a battery pack. So it, um, it, it satisfied most of my criteria, um, but it was only four bands. And it had a limited range auto tuner. And then we moved on. Um, before we even started the K3 design, I decided uh, that I really was uh, kind of scared to death of surface mount parts. So I didn't want to start the K3 right away. And instead, I decided to uh, to take a crack at a, a small radio that used some surface mount. So that's the KX1. And the KX1 was a lot smaller than the K1 and uh, still had the batteries and the auto-tuner installed. And it was it's still four bands, but still just... CW, although it would copy sideband because you could widen the filter out a lot. So then we did the K3, and once the K3 was really full-on in production, etc., I got that bug again to design a small radio. And this time, we really wanted to light the world on fire. So taking what we had done on the K3, um, including the K3's display and most of its features and its DSP code, we then came up with the KX3. And the X is actually for uh, extended or extreme operation, you know, from places that you might not be able to take your large desktop radio. In fact, one of the first places I tested the KX-1 was uh, I climbed a tree and hung a wire straight down. And I believe that might have been the world's first inverted vertical. So... Going to places where you really can't take another radio is uh, is really a lot of the fun for me. Um, I, in fact, I, there's a, a guy named Aid Weiss who was uh, he wrote a book called The Joy of QRP, and he, he has a great quote in there. Um, he said, "If there is a place and you can get to it, you must operate from there." So I really took that to heart. You know, it, it, you don't have to be working extreme DX. You don't have to be in the world's most exotic locale. I mean, you can you can get excited about a contact while you're sitting on your roof with a whip antenna running from internal batteries. So the KX3 took this concept to a, a great extreme. We, we packed 160 through 6 meters into this radio, all modes, 10 watts, and including a, uh, a transverter option and a wide-range antenna tuner and, and a big battery pack. And um, this was pretty revolutionary. We, we announced that in 2010, started shipping in 2012, and really caught people by surprise because of the, the small size, um, given the features, and the performance. And so um, we really really launched a new uh, a new radio line with the KX3. And uh, so ever since then, I've been thinking, well, you know, we, we sunk a lot of time and, and effort into that KX3 design. Can we do it again at half the size and a lower price and, you know, half the weight? And what would we leave out? Okay, so the KX3 was about seven and a half inches long and weighed about a pound and a half. So we figured the sweet spot for a KX2 would be approximately, you know, less about five and a half inches long and maybe 13 ounces or so, 12 or 13 ounces. And we that's what we hit. And in order to do that, we had to pull a few things out. So a KX2 doesn't cover 160 meters or 6 meters. And those are bands that are less often used by QRP operators. And, uh, you know, the antenna tuner doesn't cover quite the range. And we had to shrink the keyer paddle even further. Um, but we did put a nice big battery pack into it. And it uses the same DSP code as the KX3. And has most of the features, but you know, not AM and FM mode, no DTMF, um, and no transverters. So it's a it's a shrunk and uh, somewhat uh, reduced feature set radio, but it's just perfect for taking out into the woods or for a walk around the block. And this is um, it gets it it really gets into that uh, 
that kind of magical space that only walkie-talkies have been in the past, which is pedestrian mobile. So you might think of it as peripatetic mobile. It's uh, for people who like to walk around and pull the radio out and put a whip antenna on it and just check out the bands and see what it sounds like. Um, so, you know, we're developing a whip antenna for it. And uh, you literally, in fact, I did this today um, at Field Day. I kind of got tired of, of you know, like running stations on, uh, on the big antenna. So a couple of us went out and just walked across the, the uh, park here to, a, you know, stood, stood under a tree put the four-foot whip antenna on it with the internal battery and a trailing ground wire. you got to have a short counterpoise wire. And just running 10 watts from internal battery, standing in the, in the parking lot under a tree, we worked Massachusetts um, in CW mode. We worked uh, British Columbia on RTTY, just using a keyer paddle. Um, and we worked uh, a station, I believe, in New York or New Jersey on sideband. And so this is all just handheld with the whip antenna. And, and how much power were you running when you were working those stations? It was 10 watts for all three of those contacts. You can run 10 watts from the internal battery for quite a while. Um, it's a 2.6 amp hour lithium ion battery. And we even keep tra- track of the amp hours. I think uh, as of 10 minutes ago, um, we had used about 1.8 amp hours um, so far. So, you know, good for, good for most of field day, which is, uh, uh, which is awesome because you don't have to dig into it and change the batteries very much. It's an 11-volt battery. Um, so that's exactly the kind of operation that this was intended for. Um, kind of like uh, spur of the moment, you know, you just want to, uh, you know, grab a radio and go wherever you're going. It's also a great mobile rig. So um, the form factor is what I would call it no excuses form factor. It's small enough that you'll just take it anywhere. And, you know, so in fact, that's usually the way it is when I start a project. I don't start with a set of features. I start with the size of of the target radio, and then I see what I can fit in there. I wrote a poem about this a long time ago called The Old Home Brewer, and there's one stanza in there that goes, um, uh, let's see, what did he need, he asked himself. This was the homebrew paradox. The question's not, what do I need? It's, what fits in this box? <laughs> so, so that brings up a lot of questions in my mind. So when you start with the form factor and a small one at that, what were some of the biggest engineering challenges. So when you looked at this and you're tossing out a feature, but there's other features you want to keep and you think, wow, that particular thing is going to be really challenging. What what was the hardest thing about the design? Well, um, one of the biggest challenges was that we really didn't want to invent the wheel on the display. We really wanted to keep our existing display, the same one we use on the K3 and the uh, KX3 and the K3S. We really like this display. It's got nice, big, easy-to-read digits, and it's a transflective display, which means you can use it in, in bright sunlight. Um, so the the basic dimensions of the radio are sized so that that display just barely fits. And then we had to shrink the number of controls. Um, we were able to get 12 switches on it instead of 20. And uh, since every switch has a has a function, has two functions, tap and hold functions, that's still 24 directly accessible functions. And then it has four knobs on it. So... We also had to cut cost, so basically, it, it's kind of a kind of a marketing question, and and kind of a, uh, a just from our only own personal experience with operating for many years on QRP, and we, we figured we could give up one sixty and six, and most everybody has an HT, so they really don't need the, the two meter transverter um, in every radio they own, and we could get by with ten watts instead of fifteen, because when a band's open. You know, you can really work the world with uh, with five or ten watts easily. So um, those were the the, cons- the the biggest constraints. We knew we had to have an automatic antenna tuner in it, um, and we knew we were going to have to do some further miniaturization. And that's where my RF engineer and my DSP engineer came into play, Rich and Lyle. Um, we were at Dayton 2015, just recovering from having introduced the K3S. And we were sitting in the car, you know, like driving to uh, uh, to the airport in, in Dayton. And Eric was driving, and he didn't even know Rich and I were having this conversation in the back seat. But I, I said to Rich, you know, we, we spent a lot of time developing the KX3. Let's see if we can repurpose it and shrink the whole thing to half the size of a KX3, Get a, make a KX2 out of it. And he just looked at me and said, okay, in his usual way. But I know that he was immediately thinking, how the hell am I going to pull 30% of the parts off the RF board? But um, 
you know, uh, miniaturization marches on, and we were able to, uh, you know, eliminate an IC or some, po- some components here and there. Because it didn't have 160 or 6, we immediately eliminated two relays and all the associated parts in the low-pass filter board. We did have to make the world's smallest all-band bandpass filter board. It's only a half inch by two and a half inches and covers 80 through 10 meters. And uh, other things, like we... To cut cost, here's an, ex- an example. We had to use pin diodes instead of CMOS switches. So, you know, that increased our current drain by about 10 milliamps. But um, we were able to save current elsewhere by using a lower current synthesizer that was also lower cost. So th- that's just an example of some of the uh, engineering design decisions. And and actually, George, you yourself figured into one of the design decisions, which was, um, should this thing have a speaker or not? And, you know, I was trying to argue that everybody who's using a radio in this class could just darn well use headphones, just like you have to with an iPod or whatever. But, uh, you know, you and a couple of other people really pushed me towards putting a speaker in it. And it turned out we, we were able to get a good speaker in there. But to make it fit, we had to put an indentation in the bottom cover and put the speaker in a little well down there uh, beneath the automatic antenna tuner. So all good examples of the uh, the challenge with miniaturization. Our DSP engineer was happy because it simply uses exactly the same DSP code as our KX3. So when you think about the users, the target market, if you will, for a radio like this, obviously the guys who are going to go climb up the mountain uh, with the goats like Steve and, you know, other guys who are very adventurous and they're going to go out there, they're great CW operators and, you know, work the world with 30 milliwatts there's that really high-end kind of user for the Electraft radios. And a lot of our listeners are new hams or they're new to portable operating or new to CW or QRP. Do you see this radio as, as kind of the little sports car that you really want to use if you know what you're doing? Or do you see it as kind of an everyman's radio, a good starter radio? How would you position this relative to other radios? Well, it does have a lot fewer controls, so it's easier to use um, than... You know, a lot of desktop radios that have, uh, you know, a hundred functions in, you know, like a hundred switch functions and, you know, like 20 knobs. Um, so given the, the limited number of functions, it's easier to use in that sense. And, you know, the, the operator's manual is written in tutorial style. So we explain a lot of the why when, uh, when we're telling people, you know, how to use the radio. So, um, I think it's it's a good radio. It's a good first radio um, for those who um, have not bought into the, uh, the the notion that you must have 100 watts to make contacts. I mean, I, I make contacts all over the world constantly with 10 watts, and it's just a it's just a matter of gaining a little bit of experience. Um, some people swear by 100 watts, and for that reason, we have an optional 100 watt ampl- amplifier called the KXPA100 that can be used with either a KX2 or a KX3. And so it'll give you that extra boost when you need it. Um, most people leave that at home when they take the radio out in the field, though. And, um, you know, I guess I, I would think this may be kind of like a, as a Miata, you know, if it's, if it's a sports car. It's really small and it's really fun. And it's a little bit lower priced than uh, than our, our Lamborghini model. So, um, yeah, the uh, the it's uh, you know it's about a third lower in price. Actually, a little bit more than a third lower in price than uh, than the KX3. And you know, it's literally pocket sized. So, um, the way I like to think of it is that if you're a new ham and you are and you want to get the most out of the hobby you can, then Instead of just confining yourself to an 8x10 room where you have, you know, a very large radio and your outdoor antennas, I like the idea of the empowerment and the freedom that comes from being able to take your radio anywhere. This, this is really the one all-band, all-mode radio that's so small that you can use it like a walkie-talkie. Um, you can use it on a picnic table. You could install it on the dashboard of your car. I use it mobile a lot. Um, you could put it on a motorcycle, on a bicycle, or you can use it as a home station. So it's it's re- it's a real chameleon. It will fit in in just about any operating scenario you can imagine. Um, I like the term micro de expedition um, to explain what a lot what a lot of our customers do. So, in fact, we. Um, we sell a couple of different carrying case options for the KX2 that themselves are very small. So the bag that I use is something we call a CS40 bag. This is a really nice padded camera bag, and it holds the radio, um, a skinny little microphone, a headset, some antenna wire, and a two-part whip antenna. 
uh, and a log sheet and a pencil and mosquito repellent and a chocolate bar. You know, you can get all the stuff you need in there for a uh, for a, a, a small adventure. And so I just carry the thing with me whenever I'm traveling, um, and it just takes up very little space. So it's kind of a uh, it, it it's almost like it's it's like an invisible version of the hobby that you can deploy whenever you're ready, but you don't have to be really overt about it. Like if you're trying to carry a large desktop radio and a big battery or a you know like a generator it's it's a very it's a very simplified and uh, streamlined version of amateur radio that that's uh, so flexible that that I guarantee you as a new ham um, you would be willing to try all kinds of different uh, operating styles so I noticed uh, two things that you uh, were doing today one operating and one little piece of equipment so the equipment was a tiny little microphone and the normal microphone for the KX2 or KX3 is a typical handheld mic, and it's not that big. But you had something even smaller with you. Could you describe that? Yeah, I actually had one that you could see and one that you couldn't see. So the uh, the little mic that I was using was actually made by Olympus, and the model number escapes me, but uh, we, we found it on Amazon. And uh, so you know, we're still trying to decide whether we should carry this mic, but uh, it will. The radio will also work with our MH3, which is nice. It's a good mobile mic, has up and down buttons and all that. Um, the other microphone that you couldn't see was the very tiny microphone that's built into the radio. And the reason there's a mic in the radio is really for two reasons. One is you can actually use it like a walkie-talkie. So it's got a built-in speaker, a built-in mic, an antenna tuner, and a battery. And you literally have to do nothing but connect a whip antenna to it. And now you are on multiple bands, um, which is a lot of fun for me. I like to band hop a lot. The auto-tuner helps with that because it retunes instantly when you change bands. But that microphone also is fits in with my philosophy of redundancy. So it's nice to have the microphone built in so that just in case you forgot your mic, you can still get on the air in sideband modes. Just hold the radio up and use it in walkie-talkie mode. But it it has enough gain that you can uh, just, you know, sit back a good foot foot away from the radio and still use that internal mic. Um, So, you know, we we try and, uh, and build a lot of reliability into the radios because people do count on them in the field. The other thing that I noticed was you were working some data modes. And when people think about these little radios, they they certainly think CW and perhaps single sideband, but they don't necessarily think the data modes, or if they do, they think they need a whole computer or a tablet or something to go with it. And I saw you working some RTTY. Could you describe how you did that? Yeah, so it's kind of a neat trick, but um, uh, I've always felt like if you had a radio that could demodulate and display all of the weird modes that you hear um, in on the bands, then you're far more empowered than if you are only able to listen to CW or even just sideband stations. So given that uh, at the time we did the design, the two most popular modes, and, and still are, RTTY or FSK mode and PSK31, and we also support PSK63, um, these are kind of funny sounding names, um, which describe, they're, they're kind of a technical description of the way the, the radio can uh, can generate and receive digital signals. Now, these are modes that you normally found find used with a computer. So you'll take your radio that's capable of doing single sideband, and you'll hook up a computer to it. And then the computer has to run some software that then does the transmitting and receiving for you, use the keyboard, and that's the only option. So but what we really wanted to do, again, was give people the ability to eavesdrop on these signals and even have QSOs with these kinds of uh, digital stations without having to drag a computer along. So the KX2 and the KX3 and the K3 um, all have these two built-in data modes, PSK31 and FSK, or RTTY. Now, the, the trick is, one of the displays on the radio is alphanumeric, which just means that instead of being able to display only digits, it can display the entire character set. So when you tune one of these digital signals in, say you're tuning across 20 meters and you're up in the range of 14085, you might hear an RTTY signal. Tune it in, put it in RTTY mode, and bingo, it will start decoding and displaying that signal as text on the VFOB display. Um, But we took it one step further, and if you do know CW and you have a keyer paddle attached to the radio, 
All you need to do is just send CW, and uh, the radio has a microcontroller in it that will convert your CW into these data modes. So you get PSK31 or PSK63 or RTTY, and you can do any of this without having a computer. So um, today during field day, we made a number of contacts on RTTY. It's really a lot of fun to be able to take this mode that, you know, in past in days past required a, a clankety old oily teletype machine called an ASR15 or an ASR28 that took up about 10 times as much room as an old typewriter and stood on its own floor stand uh, and made an incredible amount of noise. And now we've distilled it down to nothing but the keyer paddle and a little bit of firmware. So it's a blast to be able to operate in these digital modes um, without a computer and uh, they become conversational modes just like CW. So one last thing before we break from field day, it's been a really long day, a uh, really hot day on field day, as it usually is, even out here in southern Silicon Valley. But when you look forward, uh, you have had so many interesting ideas about where to take Elecraft and really pioneer some new areas and make some really great stuff in areas that other companies have not really been focused on. So when you think about the future, and of course, I, I know you're not going to tell me about the next radio coming out. But when you think about what you would like to see, what direction do you see the technology going? Or what kind of radios do you see in the future? Well, there are, there are multiple technological trends converging at any moment. And some of them are opportunistic based on the new smaller size of components. So we're always looking for ways to make the radios less expensive for the end user and give them new features that they can't get um, with present radios. Um, so I would say, you know, the future holds additional functionality and hopefully uh, lower cost. But, but also, you know, we're continuing to, uh, to try and innovate in, uh, in terms of form factor. And uh, yeah, I'd love to tell you more, but I would then have to tell you. Well, we'll, we'll skip that then. But anyway, uh, Wayne, thanks so much for the time. It was really great to have you around Field Day again this year. And now I actually think I know how to use my KX2, so I understand it a little bit better. Thanks so much. All right. It's been my pleasure. Thanks a lot, George. Thank you very much to George, Jeremy, and Wayne for your time here to help make the program better than it would have been without you. My name is Kale, and I've uh, enjoyed spending this time with you. have been doing these podcasts for about two years. I appreciate you, the listener, coming and sharing with us. Uh, because if, if we didn't have anyone listening, it really wouldn't be a, a reason to produce the program. So thank you. You're the reason these continue to come out now every week. Don't forget Workbench Podcast next week. I won't be on there at all, thank goodness, uh, because I'll just get in the way of those guys. So we're looking forward to that next show. And we'll be back the next time on 360 with our friends from the Linux and the Hamshack podcast. Don't miss that one. going to be some fun. Oh, I got to say, uh, we talked about how to connect with us. It's hamradio360.com. Social links there, uh, voicemail links there, all of it's there. We want to hear from you. We want to connect with you, partner with you. Uh, Patreon is there, so just check it out, hamradio360.com. And I got to say, we don't we, we don't do a lot of editing on this program, which is usually pretty evident, but at the end of this show, we've got some, uh, some outtakes that we want to share with you. So when Christy finishes at the end of the music, stick around. And we'll uh, we'll play those for you, guys. So appreciate you again, and we we just wouldn't and couldn't do it without you. Until next time, God bless you, and we'll say seventy three, y'all. This K four CD and clear. Thank you for listening to Ham Radio three sixty, brought to you by mtcradio.com. For more information about the program, visit hamradio three sixty dot com. Till next time, seventy three, y'all. We're back with Jeremy George, and uh, stop. Go ahead. What were you going to say? <laughs> I was just a brain fart. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Did you hear it from here? Yeah, that was, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. We'll put that at the end of the show. We've never done that. I believe I will. Okay. We've done Thanks. it once. Yeah. Um, second of all, we... I'm sorry. You're going to have to edit this out. And I thought somebody was knocking on the door. Um, <laughs> somebody, the, the popcorn's ready. The microwave's going off. Feel the power. So, oh, there's that thing. Okay, so, yeah, so that was really cool. 
Oh my goodness! Hashtag a pound sign a. We we've got to stop with the uh, with the inside jokes, guys. Uh, George called it pound sign. We call it hashtag. That's where that comes from. But we're going to take a break. I, go ahead. Go ahead. I would say, and the a comes from we say he's so old as he had the first call sign a. <laughs> Well, I get a sign clear and go. Okay, man. It was, uh, it's going to catch up with you, George. We'll see you. Stay here, Gail. All right. He quit. <laughs> this has been a 6ARN production. Thanks, guys, for listening.